morning we're thinking about uh, praying for others. Um, This is a massive subject. Um, I don't have time to do it justice. Praying for others has so many contexts um, and and so many different uh, models and ways of thinking. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to really kind of make it simple. So um, forgive me for that if I oversimplify this today. But I'm going to focus mainly on believers and believers praying for one another. Although those of you who know me know that I'm going to pray for non-believers too. So, um, so please, if you don't yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, today is definitely for you as well. So um, to keep this focused, I, I've looked to uh, the Bible, and, and for me, the person most of all who uh, describes and models praying for others is Paul the Apostle. He prays all through the New Testament um, for believers, churches all around the world, some people that he knows, some people that he doesn't know and has never met. Um, And so we're going to look at actually then what does Paul actually pray for, for these people? Um, And I've chosen his, um, his prayer to the Colossians, his letter to the Colossians for us to focus on. Um, My lovely husband, Ali, is going to come and read that. It would be a massive help today if you had a Bible in front of you, loads of Bibles alongside, pass them around, pick up your phone. Honestly, if it gets boring, you can text your friends instead. But wherever your Bible is, um, it would be great if you could start with it in front of you. Thank you. So it's Colossians 1, verses 3 to 14. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have repentance, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, 
Okay, so praying for others, I think it, it, it is of monumental importance that we pray for others. Our prayer life should not just be um, a place that we retreat to to build ourselves up. Um, it, it, it's just so important that we pray for others. But um, I think probably some of us, or some of you, are more comfortable with praying for others. Um, you know, some of us, maybe we feel a bit awkward. Um, I know sometimes people come to me for prayer and I'm, I'm like, I just don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. I'm slightly worried that uh, I'm going to pray for the wrong thing for them. Um, and so I want today really um, to make that simple um, by having a look at what Paul does here in, in as he prays for this Colossian church. And you'll see that the first thing that he does is he gives thanks. He gives thanks. Um, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith. Um, Paul is giving thanks for the faith of the people he prays for. He gives thanks for their love for others and for the hope that they have. Um, some of you may know that uh, this week I, I took up a post as lay chaplain in a school. I've worked in this school for six years. Um, but starting on the journey, I just thought I would mail everybody and say, like, if you're someone who prays, come and pray with me. And uh, it was amazing. People who have never stood forward as Christians before, um, have never been involved in the school ministry, came and they prayed. And I was overwhelmed with gratitude just for their faith, just that I was surrounded by people who shared of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we're, we're all different. We kind of express faith in different ways. We've got all kinds of stuff going on in this school. Um, but it is our faith that is the overriding thing. Um, and here in church, I think we sort of slightly take it for granted um, that we're surrounded by people of faith. Um, and we don't often just thank God that the person next to us also shares a faith in Jesus. Um, you know, we have something amazing. We have received the best gift possible. And Paul says we should say thank you for that. We should say thank you because together we stand in faith. In our faith, we can support each other. We can grow together. We serve together. We're part of God's world together and God's work together. We come together at the foot of the cross, and we're not alone. We belong. And we belong because of our faith. And God gave us that. And Paul says, thank you, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the faith of my brothers and of my sisters. Now, I've tried this this week, <clears throat> and this is amazing. It's like pouring calm waters on troubled seas. It has quite literally been a balm to my soul. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some people that I don't easily rub along with. <laughs> Malcolm, glad I'm not alone. Um, you know, we're all sort of different. 
Um, but when you start to be grateful for just having them in your life, it just sort of changes something. It just changes something. I love my husband. He's, he's amazing. Um, sometimes he drives me mad. Um, sometimes he worries me. But when I kind of think of his faith in Jesus and I trust in his faith and I see him and I see his love for others, I'm just grateful that he's a Christian. I'm just grateful that God has got him and he has got God. I mean, it's just, it's so simple, but it's so powerful to be thankful. And in fact, what I want to to do this morning is just to do that. I'm not going to ask anyone to pray out loud. It's not a scary moment. But I, I am going to ask you, just close your, close your eyes and, and, and I'll start. And I just want you to think of people and just give thanks for their faith. Just thank God. Father God, Father God I, just, um, I just thank you for Jeff. Father God, thank you that he knows the Lord Jesus and, and that he loves the other saints. Thank you for the worship band, for their faith, that we can stand together. Thank you for the faith of the leadership team. Father, thank you for Pete. Thank you that he loves the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the people who stand with us because they love the Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Now, the other thing about saying thank you, I found, is, is um, it's not actually that easy just to say thank you, is it? Once you've got somebody in your mind and you're saying thank you for them, you want to go on, don't you? You want to kind of go on and start praying for them. Somebody here didn't follow instructions and was thanking them, and they've already prayed something. You've already wanted to go on. It's like, it's like once your heart is changed and you've focused on being thankful for somebody and you're settled on them, it, you develop a profound desire to seek the best for them. I don't know how many of you found that, but you just, you started then to want to go, Lord, would you give them something? My heart's in now, and I, and I want something for them. And that's what Paul does next here. Um, we're in verse 9. And, and the next thing that Paul does is he gives thanks, is he says, you know, we've not stopped praying for you. We ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Um, I'm just going to pick on that bit. We've not stopped praying for you. I don't think that this means that Paul has been praying for these people 24-7, 365 days a year since he met them. Um, I know next week um, Graham is going to talk on praying continually so I'm I don't want to pray steal your thunder here Graham I'm not going to tread here but I think it is important in the context of praying for others to see that what Paul means 
is that he doesn't stop praying for a specific thing for them. There is something that they need so much that even though they have a faith in Jesus, they need to keep asking again and again. There is a supply of something that we continually ask. We don't stop praying to be constantly renewed. Does that make sense? Marvellous. Good. Well, this is good news. This is good news because um, Paul doesn't stop asking for the same thing over and over again. But often when people ask us to pray for them, I just sort of feel, if they say, well, you pray for me, as, as if I need to know what is the one thing that I need to pray for today that is going to sort out this problem for them. Um, it's like if I, if I don't know how to pray or I don't understand what they're asking for, I'm just totally going to miss this opportunity for God to change their lives. That somehow there's a thing at a time that needs to be done. And specific prayer is good. I'm not saying it's not. But sometimes I think we look too hard for a clever prayer. We, we look too hard for the answer to the problem. We, we work too hard at it. And, um, and what Paul is saying is that no matter what people ask for in prayer, what they need is for God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. What you need, whatever your issue, is the knowledge of God's will that you would know what God wants for you. There's sort of an extent to which it doesn't matter what you ask for in prayer. You need to know God's will in that situation. Um, some of you uh, may have heard of uh, Nicky Gumbel. Uh, Nicky Gumbel, he's uh, um, developed Alpha. He's the vicar of HTB. Um, which is one of the largest Church of England churches in the UK. He, he's developed the Alpha course, and he's, he heads up church planting across the HTB um, network. He's, he's heavily anointed with God's Spirit. Um, and he tells this story about how he went forward for prayer one day. He went forward for prayer, and he was absolutely knocked out in the Spirit. And it was prophesied over him that day that he would be a significant leader for God's work. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, I'm so glad he did not come to me for prayer. Because I would not have known what to pray. And, and we, he might have missed his chance. I might have prayed for the wrong thing. But seriously, he went forward that day to ask for prayer for gout. The person praying for him did not even know what gout was. So they thanked God for him and they asked that uh, he would know God's will for his life. And God did the rest. And God did the rest. See, when we pray for others, we're, we're praying with the Holy Spirit for what God wants. We don't really need to have any other kind of answer. To be honest, I think some of my worst experiences of having people pray for me has been when people have tried to fix me 
Um, when people have tried to kind of clever psychobabble or clever advice or they've prayed a specific thing to me that they've been thinking for years that they ought to tell me. Um, and that, or, or they think, oh, actually, I don't know what you want, but I, I, I heard yesterday that you, you, know, you fell over. I'll pray for that today. You know, that's the worst thing, isn't it? You go forward for prayer and you get all sorts of stuff. Please don't do that. At a simple level, we ask God, would you fill my brother or sister with the knowledge of your will? Tell them again, show them anew what you want for them. Now, God's will for our lives is a whole nother sermon. Um, I'd love to have a chance to preach it um, because it is still one of the most frequently asked questions by Christians today. How do I know what God's will is for my life? I don't have time to go into it, but I do want to say this. Please do not believe in a God who has a plan for your life but refuses to show it to you. So often we behave as if God knows what is best for us, but he won't tell us. We don't have a God who keeps his will for you secret and giggles quietly as you waste your life trying to find it out. God's will for your life is spelled out loud and clear in the pages of the Bible. It is not abstract, nor is it particularly concerned with who you marry or the job you do. It may be that God is putting you in a place, yes. He doesn't really mind if you run on Tuesday or Wednesday. God's will for your life is things like obeying his commands, growing in character, loving one another, acting justly, loving mercy, rejoicing, giving thanks. Things that have been shown to you through the example of Jesus. Just for the purposes of today, I would summarize God's will for your life like this. God wants you to be more like Jesus. And he's happy to help you with that. That is his will for your life. You see, Paul prays time and time again for churches and believers around the world. But if you look at those prayers, um, you'll see he only really ever prays for ten things. Peace and unity, growth in character, um, knowing his will. All things that are about becoming more like Jesus. God wants us to know his will because his will is to live the best life that we can. And Paul says, pray for people that they'll keep coming back to God and asking to know more about his will. What more does God want for me? Don't picture him as someone who holds on to a secret plan. Picture him as somebody who wants the very best for you and is already holding it out to you to come and ask for. Prayer is your way of going forward to take hold of the blessings that God has for you. He wants you to have it and he's happy to show you how to get it. So Paul says, keep praying. Do not stop praying that the brothers and sisters will get more and more and know more and more of God's life for them. 
So I suppose what I've, what I've taken a long time to sort of say is that when people come and ask for prayer, don't think you need a specific thing. Don't think you've got to know the answer today. You don't need something new or original. It is always the same thing that people need when they come for prayer or when you pray for them. They need more of God's will, more of Jesus. If you can pray Jesus into their lives, then you have done the best thing that you can ever do for them, whatever the situation. So lastly then, as we, as we come to, to close, Paul says the reason that they need to know God's will is so they can live a life worthy of the Lord that pleases him in every way. Again, um, living a life worthy of the Lord, well, that's a whole serious sermon, Dave, waiting to be preached. Living a life worthy of the Lord. Um, But Paul does, he describes it simply here. He describes it as a life where there's fruit. Um, If you're not sure about fruit, um, you can turn back a few pages, or I'll just tell you, Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, fruit, a life secure in the knowledge of God's love, a life depending on God's spiritual strength, relying on God, not ourselves, where the burden is light and we don't grow weary. A life pleasing to God where we give thanks. Imagine that life. Imagine that life. Isn't it it what we want for ourselves? Fruitful lives, securing God's knowledge, where we feel such a sense of belonging and of purpose. Don't we want to know that we're living the best life that God has for us? And that as we live that life, we help others to do the same. Wouldn't that lead us to thank God? I think for all of us, the answer is yes. And, and Paul says, just pray that for everyone. Pray that for everyone. Let's put it really simply. If somebody, you're praying for somebody else. Paul says, you say, thank you, Jesus, for my brother's faith. Thank you for Jesus in my brother's life. Thank you. Please could he have some more? Please could he have some more of Jesus? It's the best thing for him. I know that the more he has, the more he's going to please Jesus. And then he's going to give thanks. And we're going to go round again. We're going to give thanks. We're going to ask for more. We're going to be more pleasing. Whenever Paul prays for others, his focus is on Jesus. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray specifically for worldly things and ask God for things. 
But if you can help a brother or a sister through prayer to lift their eyes back to Jesus, then you have prayed for the one thing that they need to overcome, whatever the situation they are in. If somebody wants you to pray, you just give them Jesus and you continue to give more of Jesus, to keep praying continually that we would all have more of Jesus in our lives. It may be that I've taken an amazing piece of scripture and made it really simple this morning. But as I invite the worship band to to come up, um, I have two reasons for that. The first is that we must pray for each other. And every single person here who knows the Lord Jesus is equipped to do that. If you find it hard to pray for others because you have decided you're not good enough, please, if you know Jesus, just pray Jesus into other people's lives. Thank you, God, that Jesus is in their life. Please, can they have some more? We must pray for each other. I would also say, and I, I, I feel this in, in my heart today, there are people who would love to be prayed for. But you maybe don't ask because you're worried that you will be judged or that your problems are complicated and that you don't really want to explain them or burden them. If that is you, can I say, I don't need to know your problem. You don't need to share anything. You can come forward, you can turn to the person next to you, and you can just say, will you pray for me? Sometimes, yes, it's good to pray, it's good to confess, but people will just pray, Jesus, into your lives for you. And so please, if you do not have people praying for you, just ask today. Just ask today. And let us be a church that does not stop praying for each other. It may also be that you do not yet believe that Jesus will overcome your situation, that you have not yet fully placed your faith. It doesn't matter. Anyone in this room will be pleased to pray Jesus into your life today. So we're going to worship now um, and move on, but let us be a church that does not stop praying for each other.